Our theme for this year is building a sure foundation, and we're talking particularly about the Northside Foundation. Northside has been a strong force in the kingdom as a congregation of the Lord's Church for many years, and we want it to continue to be that. Uh, Therefore, we're working this year on building a sure foundation and talking about some of the things that are important to have a healthy, strong, vital congregation. Uh, We began by talking about giving and spent a few weeks on that. Today we start a new series called Seeking Servant Leaders. As you might be able to figure out, it's about church leadership. Uh, The purpose of this series is not just to learn about church leadership. The purpose is to prepare the church, that's you and me, to prepare us to select additional leaders. We have a number of great leaders, but we are ready to select some additional ones. And I'd like to say just a couple of things about that before we uh, begin the series proper. First of all, we are blessed here at Northside, I think, with five wonderful men who serve as elders, serve faithfully as elders. Uh, And they have determined, they have uh, uh, initiated, that's the word I want, they've initiated this sermon series, this process Uh, They've identified the addition of some more elders uh, as a key need this year at Northside. Uh, They believe that there is a need. They believe that five men have a large load uh, dealing with this large a congregation, this many people. Uh, And they believe that there are men here at Northside that are qualified uh, and would be excellent uh, servant leaders. So they've precipitated this. Second thing, let me say, is that there may be nothing uh, more important that a congregation does than this process that we're beginning today. Uh, you don't, we don't do it that frequently. No congregation picks new leaders very often. Uh, it has a long-lasting effect, uh, not exactly like naming Supreme Court justices, but it's, <laughs> it's not, not for life in that sense, but it does have long-lasting Effects. Uh, a congregation's eldership often participates in the success or failure of that congregation as they serve in the kingdom. So it's a very important thing that we do. So I intend to be pretty serious about this. Uh, I'm never very entertaining, but I won't be entertaining at all in this series. Uh, I'm teaching. I'm trying to get what the God's Word says about this, and it may be, seem kind of dry and pedantic in some ways, but uh, it's a dangerous thing if we're not prepared to select leaders properly. I heard of a church one time that decided to select some new elders, and the preacher preached uh, only from the 23rd Psalm. I talked about the shepherd and what a shepherd's like, and that's a good topic. Uh, That should be one part, maybe, of what we consider about uh, what an elder does. But that was all he talked about. Uh, He didn't talk about the qualifications. He didn't talk about the duties uh, of an elder and what one does and what he's supposed to be like. And as a result, the people were not prepared to properly select elders. Uh, That's a very dangerous thing. Uh, We want to be people of the book. We want to honor and obey God's Word. And it has a lot to say about elders and who they are and what they do. Uh, 
And, and the reason it's so important is because of what we're doing, selecting elders for the Lord's church, is not like anything in this world because it's not of this world. So if you don't know what it's about, if you don't know what God's word says about it, uh, you make decisions based on worldly criteria. And that's not what church leadership is about. Uh, you may be familiar with leadership uh, at work or at school or in the government or in your union or on your athletic team or all kinds of things have leaders in this world. But leadership in the Lord's church is a whole different deal. It's a different kind of thing. Uh, Chuck Colson, who those of you that are old enough remember, he was very familiar with worldly power at the highest level. He was special counsel to Richard Nixon in the White House for four years. Uh, he was enticed by power, as a number were in that White House. Uh, they were carried away by power and did some things they shouldn't have done, and Mr. Colson spent time in prison for it. Uh, he turned to Christianity after that episode, and since then he's been writing about Christianity and culture and a lot of things. And the quote I put on your handout comes from his book, The Kingdoms in Conflict. He says, Nothing distinguished the kingdoms of man from the kingdom of God more than their diametrically opposed views of the exercise of power. One seeks to control people, the other to serve people. One promotes self, the other prostrates self. One seeks prestige and position, the other lifts up the lowly and despised. And if that sounds a little familiar, that's because Jesus said almost the same thing. The passage that I put on your handout is from Luke chapter 22, during the Last Supper, uh, and that time frame, uh, the apostles got to arguing about which of one of them was greater, believe it or not. And the story is told this way by Luke, also a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. And Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them are given the title benefactor. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who's greater, the one who's at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one at the table? But I'm among you as one who serves. And if you know the context, if you know Jesus had just washed their feet, this makes sense. He says, you're arguing about who's going to be the greatest? That's the way the world works. They like, they like big titles. They like power. But in the church, leaders are servants. Uh, I'm, he didn't say this, but I, I'm the son of God. I'm the most important one at this table, but I'm serving. I just wash your feet. So that's why I entitled this series, Seeking Servant Leaders. This is different than what the world does. So with that introduction, let's begin our series. The first thing to consider, I think is an elder's job description, I called it, just to lend a little thinking to it. doesn't mean we're hiring elders, uh, but it means they do have a job description. What do they do? Sometimes a title will tell you what a person does. If you know a job title, you'll know what they do. But 
elder doesn't help much, does it? Uh, doesn't tell us much of anything except it sounds like maybe they ought to be old guys. So we don't know learn, learn much from that title. But helpful, uh, luckily, providentially, the New Testament gives us some more information. The New Testament uses three different names for what we usually call elders. And I put those on your handout for them, but here they are before you also. Three Greek words are presbyteros, episkopos, and poimen. And if a couple of those sound kind of familiar, you recognize Presbyterian and Episcopal. Uh, That's because those denominations were named after their style of church government, uh, which comes from those couple of Greek words. But uh, not important to, to us right now. The Bible uses these interchangeably. In fact, in a little while we'll look at a scripture that uses all three in the same passage. And it uses different terms when it's talking about different things. When it's talking about an elder being uh, uh, older or mature, it uses the word presbyteros. That's translated presbyter, or it's really transliterated presbyter, or elder is our most common term for it. And, And it implies age, but it's really more about maturity. Some of you may be aware that age and maturity don't always go together. Uh, Some people get older, but they don't ever grow up. Uh, When the New Testament talks about using this word, it's replying much more to the maturity. Now, certainly a man has to be a certain age to have that maturity, but that's what it's talking about. When it uses the term episkopos, which we translate as overseer usually, or, or bishop is another transliteration, it's talking about the responsibility for overseeing things having the oversight uh, of a group of God's people. And we'll look at these in more detail later. Uh, and then the last one is poimen, which means pastor or shepherd. And they use that word, the New Testament writers use that word when they're talking about uh, the elders caring for the flock, tending the flock, feeding the flock, leading the flock, protecting the flock, all the things that a shepherd does. And that's why shepherd is a great word for who we're talking about, because it's got so many things included in that. Now, uh, that's the three names, and they help us understand what an elder does to some degree. Uh, But I've selected six points. Our description has six points, uh, and we're going to get it straight from the Bible. We're just going to read scriptures this morning and see what they have to say. Uh, We're going to read some verses. We're going to look for key points. And I sure hope we find six, since I put six blanks on your hand out here. So let's get started. And we're going to go to Acts chapter 20 first. I printed these out on your handout, so you don't have to look them up if you don't want to. I wanted everybody to be able to look at them, even if you didn't bring your Bible today. Acts 20, the story here is Paul was passing back through all the churches that he had helped start. And he went to Ephesus. And he was saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders. And he was warning them about some things as he said goodbye to them. In fact, he told them he probably would never see them again. So this is Paul's last warning to the elders in Ephesus. He said, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Now, I know that after I leave... Savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. 
even from your own number. Men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. All right. Now there's a lot of teaching in that passage. Now we could spend all hour talking about what he said in there and what a lot of it means. But we're just looking for job description here. And so the picture he uses here is of them being shepherds and watching out for the flock. Now, I realize most of us are not familiar with shepherding, uh, but we, we know what it's like. And we know that a shepherd has to watch the flock to make sure that the wolves don't come in and get them. And Paul says that's going to happen. He said false teachers are going to try to steal some of your sheep. They're, they're going to draw them away. In fact, the false teachers are going to come from among the eldership. We know from history that's exactly what happened. But Paul's warning them, you keep watch over the flock, you be good shepherds, be on your guard. The Holy Spirit's made you overseers of this flock. It's your responsibility. So we got our first word. Our first word is watch. Elders are supposed to watch. We also got our second word. Uh, Secondly, they're supposed to oversee Elders are supposed to oversee, and we even got our third word. They're supposed to shepherd. Now, how easy is that? We've just owned one verse, and we got half our list. We're rolling right along here. You're doing well. Uh, shepherds are supposed to watch, oversee, and shepherd. And shepherd, I know, is a term for a person, but it's also a descriptive of a, a job, a task. And that's what shepherds Bishops, overseers, elders are supposed to do. Now, let's go to the next verse, Ephesians chapter 4. This is one that you might not often hear in a sermon on elders, but I think it tells us something about what they do. Uh, The passage is in Ephesians 4, and Paul is telling people how the church began. And he says, it was he, God, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. All right. So he tells us and some of these uh, uh, titles, some of these uh, positions, if you will, in the church don't exist any longer. We don't believe that he appoints prophets or apostles anymore. But we do have evangelists, and we have pastors, and we have teachers. And Paul says one of their purposes, one of their duties, is to prepare God's people so that the body of Christ may be built up. Now, I had trouble because I just had one word to fill in here. So I don't know what word you would pick. Prepare might be a good one. But I picked the fourth word to be mature. I think elders, shepherds, bishops are supposed to mature the flock. They're supposed to help people, individual people and the whole flock, grow up and mature so that the body of Christ may be built up. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Paul says to the Thessalonian church, Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Now, once again, lots of great teaching in here, and we may get to it in the weeks ahead. 
but for now we're just looking for job descriptions. Uh, so he's talking to the church in Thessalonica, play like he's talking to the church at Northside because it applies to us. And he says, respect those who work hard among you. Well, who's he talking about? Well, those who are over you in the Lord and, and the ones who admonish you. All right, well, he's talking about elders, shepherds, bishops, uh, overseers. He says, hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work and live in peace with each other. Uh, if you want one thing you can do to make an elder's life easier, just follow that last little hip tip there. Live in peace with each other. Get along with each other. And an elder's task becomes much easier. And that's his point here. But one thing he says in here, and I underlined it for you, is they admonish you. So that's our fifth word, is elders sometimes have to admonish. That's not our most favorite verse. Uh, it's not a whole lot of fun verse, but it's a true thing. Uh, in a flock of people, in a group of people, uh, some occasionally, for the good of the whole body, need to be admonished. They get to going the wrong direction. They get to teaching the wrong thing. They get to living the long, wrong lifestyle. All kinds of things happen. And in this day and age, that's especially difficult because our attitude today is nobody can tell me anything. Uh, people have sued their elders for admonishing them. They say, nobody's got a right to tell me what to do. I'll live my own life. Well, that's worldly thinking. That's true in the world. But in the church, it's a whole different relationship. It's a flock that understands the servant leader's position and wants their help as they grow up. Wants help to mature and get better and become more Christ-like. And sometimes you parents know that takes some admonishment. So Paul tells the Thessalonican church that they admonish you. Now let's go to Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Once again, some advice for the flock. It says, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. We might just stop there for a minute. There was a movement not too long ago where some people who didn't want anybody to ever admonish them tried to teach a doctrine that elders don't have any authority. Uh, that they have no kind of authority. Well, the writer of Hebrews thought they did. And he said that you ought to obey them. You ought to submit to them. That's a whole other sermon. We'll get there someday. But he then gives us the reason. He says, they keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. So he tells us a couple of key things. Elders watch over us. We've already found that word once. And they have to give an account for it. If you wonder why they take their job so seriously and why they bother to admonish people and why they want to mature people, because of this, they're going to give an account. Shepherd is a very responsible position. And no new word in that one. So let's go on to 1 Peter 5. And this is the passage which uses all three Greek terms. He says, to the elders, there's the... Uh, what word is it? Presbyteros, the elder. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder. 
Well, we learned that Peter was an elder. That's interesting. And he says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Serving as overseers, there's the third word, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So Peter uses all three words interchangeably. He says, your elders, your shepherds, your overseers, and you rule differently than worldly leaders. You don't do it for money. Uh, you don't do it to lord it over people. Uh, they're people entrusted to you. And what you're supposed to be, here's our fifth or sixth word, is an example. You're supposed to be an example to them. All right. Now, like I said, all of these scriptures that we've read, we could get a whole lot more truth out of them, but all we were looking for were these six words and we found them. Now, why have we made this list? Well, so you know what the Bible says an elder is supposed to do. If you're a fairly new member here, maybe all you know about elders is that they visit with you before you place membership. They want to get to know you and they seem like nice guys and all of that. If you come to the new members dinner tonight, if you haven't been to a new members dinner yet, you'll learn a little bit more about the elders, but you won't learn a whole lot about what they do. So a lot of people don't have that base of knowledge. Well, here's what the scriptures say an elder is supposed to do. This is their job description, if you will. They're supposed to watch and oversee and shepherd and mature people and admonish people and be an example. Now, the reason we made this list is because the step we're about to take is so important in adding additional elders. Uh, one way to look at it, we're, we're about to lay some additional foundation stones. Now, I know Christ is the only foundation you can lay, but uh, this is part of building a sure foundation. It's having good leadership. Uh, we want it to be a sure foundation. And when I said we don't do this frequently and the effects are long-lasting, you see, we won't see the results for many years, possibly. But the results will appear. Who we choose, who we select and approve as our elders in this place, the results will appear. And to point that out, let me do it from kind of a negative point of view. Some of you have seen a church that's been overtaken by false teaching. A church that has wandered from the simple truth of the gospel. In that church, there's no one watching. Some of you have seen a church in trouble financially or one without direction or purpose. In that church, no one is overseeing. Some of you have seen a church with a preacher or teaching program uh, that gives no substance, no Bible teaching. In that church, there is no shepherd intent on feeding the flock. Some of you have seen a church with members who are just as carnal and as quarrelsome as the day they were baptized. In that church, no one is maturing God's people. Some of you have seen a church with cliques and troublemakers and long-standing feuds and lack of unity. In that church, no one is admonishing. 
And some of you have seen a church driven by materialism or status or appearances. In that church, someone is setting that kind of example. So what we set out to do in this series and the next few months to add leaders to our eldership is an important thing. Next week, we're going to look at an elder's resume. We've got a job description. I guess we need a resume. Uh, So we're going to look at what an elder's supposed to be like. And we know what one's supposed to do now. Well, what's he supposed to be like? And we'll look at that next week in an elder's resume. Hope that uh, was true to the Bible. I hope it was true to God's Word. And I hope it is helpful as we proceed in this process. If you're here this morning and need to respond to the Lord's invitation, we always make that a possibility for you by singing a song of invitation. It's not our invitation. It's the Lord's invitation. And we want to make sure you know that uh, we're willing to help you put Christ on in baptism. Or if you have some other need, a prayer or something else you want to share with this family, uh, we want this to be a good time to do that. So let's stand and sing. And if you need to, come to the front.